Hello and welcome to another episode of Football Talk Podcast. My name is Ozzy and I'm your host for today's show. So two fantastic games wrapped up in the semi-finals. The winners have been revealed, so it will be Italy versus England in the Euro 2020 final. But let's speak about the matches that took place a couple of days ago. So the first game that took place, Italy versus Spain. So... For me, this game was a bit of a slow starter to begin with. Um, I was expecting more attacking play in the first half. Uh, I think both teams were trying to just figure each other out or find out sort of counter-attacks in terms of how they wanted to attack the other team. Uh, Barella, who's been one of the star performers for Italy, had a great chance um, to hit a shot from the outside of the box, tried to drag it back, uh, but Busquets managed to nick the ball off him. Omo, who's had a great game, to be fair, playing a false nine position, who I was quite impressed with in terms of his first touch, his technique on the ball, and sort of ghosting between the midfield and attacking line and played a very good uh, performance for Spain. Had a half chance, um, hit a nice shot, a great save by Donnarumma, who's such a big guy, uh, managed to get on the floor quite easily and made that save. Emerson, who has come in to replace uh, Spinozola, who's been one of the star performers of the tournament, um, and he had a great game as well, bombing down the left-hand flank throughout the whole game. Uh, went quite close um, after clipping the outside of the post with a shot, uh, so very unlucky there. Second half was a bit more lively, had a bit more action. Busquets had a shot on goal, something you don't see every day, so a bit of a, a, bit of a surprise in that regards, but unfortunately the shot just went over the bar. The goal itself, fantastic goal by Italy. Uh, Cesar hits a beautiful shot from the left-hand side. And what a goal it was. Sweetly hit and right in the bottom corner. Fantastic goal. Great start for Italy in the second half there. But Spain were attacking and were creating a number of chances. So Ayazabal, uh, who was the right winger for Spain, had a glorious chance to equalise with a header but unfortunately wasn't able to make any contact with the ball. Danny Omo again had a great shot on goal, uh, just just went wide unfortunately for him. As I mentioned earlier, quite impressed with his performance throughout um, as he was playing more of an unorthodox position because he's more of a number 10, number 8, but he led the line very well and, and in his false 9 position there. Uh, and then Itzios had, had a shot, so Chaser set up uh, Berardi. Um, on the right wing, who had a shot on target. Another player who I felt like had a good impact on the game, has great ability on the ball, great first touch, and really has impressed me whenever he's played for Italy in the Euros. Morata gets the equaliser for Spain, shows a burst of speed, dribbling with the ball, one-two with Olmo, and he calmly slots the ball in the back of the net. Well deserved for Italy, in my opinion, as they were constantly attacking and were knocking on Italy's door, so fully deserved regarding the equaliser there. So the game goes to extra time. For me, extra time, the teams tend to lose a bit of edge as well. So that's understandably as, you know, playing such high intensity for 90 minutes, you do lose that impact in the the latter half an hour before penalties. So Spain were actually quite close to scoring a goal from a set piece, uh, but Italy were defending fantastically blocking all sorts of shots and Spain were just unable to create any clear chances. 
So that leads to the penalty shootout. So Locatelli and Omar missed both of their opening penalties. Quite unusual to see that, but not a great start for either team. But great penalties, especially from Bellotti. Hits, hits their bottom corner, smashed it in. Moreno as well, lovely left foot strike. Bonucci calmly uh, slots it in, waiting for the goalkeeper to move it and then makes his decision to hit the ball. Thiago, maestro there, beautiful, fainted uh, penalty there. Bernadaski as well, with a great left foot shot, top corner. Unfortunately, it was the man, Murata, who sort of gets that love and hate kind of <laughs> um, appreciation from the fans. Um, tame effort, unfortunately, for the penalty. And then it was kind of expected that the next taker would slot the ball easily. And that's Jorginho, the penalty master there. Does his traditional um, hop and skip sort of step up to the ball and slots it in nicely into the back of the net. So for the neutral, a fantastic game to watch. Uh, great moments in the game where pretty much it was back-to-back -back attacks from both teams. So quite exciting to see that. For me, Italy deserved to go through. And at this stage, our strong favourites to win the, uh, the final, which we can elaborate more later on the show. So let's speak about the second semi-final. So I'll be honest with you, Denmark had a strong start to the, to the first half. They had more ball possession. Um, they were more of an attacking threat. Probably not as many clear-cut chances, but you could tell that they were really up for it and they were really troubling the England, England defence. And they took a set piece to break the scoreline. So Damsgaard, who I've been really impressed with, steps up for the free kick and unleashes an unbelievable strike. What a goal by the Danish wonder kid. Fantastic hit, fantastic goal. And the stadium definitely erupted when that goal happened. A lot of shockwaves for the English fans, if you saw how they reacted, as they probably didn't expect to concede so early in the, in the first half. But England responded fantastically. A great through ball by Harry Kane and a great run by Saka on the shoulder uh, on the right-hand side and produces an inch-perfect cross to Sterling. On goal by Kia, but he had to make that contact. Otherwise, Sterling would have started, started the goal with ease. So perfect time to equalise just before half-time. This was the 39th minute. So, so fantastic from England there. Second half, I think that goal definitely helped the morale of the team. You can see the fans were more fired up as well. And that added more energy intensity to England's play. And they had plenty of chances after. So Maguire heads the ball on, on goal. Great save by Schmeichel, who for me had a great game as well. Unfortunate to be on the losing side there. Mount also clips the ball uh, towards Schmeichel, um, who had to uh, nod it over the, uh, for a corner. Phillips also had a couple shots from long distance, but unable to hit the target. For me, for me at that stage, I kind of knew England had more of a strong chance of winning. Based on the fact that the substitutions that Denmark made, it really had an impact in their overall play afterwards. It affected the team's momentum. And for me, the quality of play dipped as well. So at that stage, England were more favourites and more sort of strong contenders to go on and maybe get that goal through extra time. Just got a couple of comments here from a mental health guy. 
if Italy find a way to win the final, can we make an argument that Jorginho had the best year? Oh, and then just a follow-up comment in regards to achievements. So it's an interesting point. Me personally, I, I wouldn't give it to him. Um, the way I see how Ballon d'Or should be awarded is based on your individual performance as well. I know based on sort of on paper, he's won Champions League. He's won, he would, if he wins the Euro, he'd have the Euros. So he's had a fantastic year. But for me, he's not had that impact where for, you regard him as the best player in that year. So, so I know there's different ways of looking at Ballon d'Or. So Ballon d'Or, they normally look at your stats in terms of what you've done, what you've achieved in the year. But I feel like it should be a combination of have you stood out as a player? Have you done well? Are you the standout player of the year as well? For me, that's a big difference. So it's the same argument that was with Kante because, you know, France were favourites to win the Euros. And I said the same thing with Kante. I feel like he's had a good couple of months for Chelsea towards the latter stages of the season, but not enough to say that, oh, he's been the best player of the year. Um, even though if, if he had won the Euros, it, for me, it wasn't enough. So, so yeah, I, I it's an argument worth making, but for me personally, I, I wouldn't, I don't believe um, he's entitled to win the Ballon d'Or. So back to the England game. So we'll discuss the extra time. England were on attack continuously after that. So Kane had a shot that was parried away by Casper uh, Schmeichel. Um, great save by him. Um, unfortunately, one of the st st sort of standout performers for me in the tournament, uh, Myla, who plays on the left-hand side in the Danish defence, concedes a penalty. Now, this has been a quite a big talking point um, over the past 24 hours, whether it was a penalty or not. For me, I'll be brutally honest, it wasn't a penalty. There was some contact, yes, but for me, it was very, very soft to give. Um, and England were quite fortunate to be uh, awarded with that penalty there. And so, lucky decision for that. And the penalty itself was poorly hit by Harry Kane, but luck was on his side again there, and he was able to get the rebound and give England the lead. So in the end, England did win, and not an easy game for England, but they performed really well. After the second half, I feel like they controlled the game fantastically, never gave up, continued to attack, and in the end got their rewards with the goals. The penalty decision possibly takes a gloss from the win a little bit, um, but from an England point of view, they've won the semi-finals. They're through to the first Euros final since 1966. Well, first big tournament final since 1966. So great achievement for England. Fantastic for the nation in terms of the spirit. Uh, it would be a great occasion to watch the final on Sunday. So yeah, I think it is deserved. But Denmark, fantastic tournament. They've been amazing throughout the whole tournament. And they should be proud of reaching the semi-finals. It is a bit bittersweet in terms of how they lost because of that penalty. Um, as cruel it might seem to say, it is football. It is, it is one of those things that happen. England can sort of back up and say, look, we've had all those poor decisions in the past as well. With, you know, Frank Lampard's goal um, that passed the, um, the line 
I was never awarded penalty shootouts and all that sort of stuff. So England will probably say that luck is on their side uh, right now. So yeah, it is what it is in that regards. But Denmark have been really impressive with their performance. They've got some fantastic young players. And I feel like you'll see them growing um, as years to come. With the World Cup coming up next year as well, I feel like they'll be performing really well. And you never know, they might surprise a few next, next year as well. So overall, two fantastic games for the semifinals. Really looking forward to the final. So we can preview that right now. So regarding a preview, I'll probably just briefly speak about the potential lineups that I feel like will um, take place uh, this Sunday. So, Italy, I don't think there'll be too many changes. Um, obviously, Donnarama will be in goal. It'll be a back four as well. So, Emerson will play as uh, Spinozola is unable to participate now due to injury. Uh, Collini and Bonucci will be the centre-back pairing. And, yeah, Harry Kane's got a lot of work to do to break down the... Um, the formidable partnership there. Di Lorenzo, Di Lorenzo as well on the right-hand side. Midfield is pretty much a shoe-in with Barella, who's been fantastic. Uh, Jorginho as well and Verratti, the midfield maestro there. And then the front three, I think some fans will have a debate in terms of who plays on the right. I think Insigne will be on the left-hand side. Immobile will lead the line. Some may say Belotti should have a have a chance but I think Mobley because um, due to his sort of knack of scoring goals and being more of a clinical finisher I think he will lead the line and the right hand side is between uh, Kezar or Baradi. Uh, so I would personally go Kezar I think last couple of performances he's been fantastic scoring some unbelievable goals and he's definitely one of the leading attackers for that Italian team um Great in terms of stature, but has such great pace as well. Can beat a man with ease. And has a great shot on him as well. Can also play on the left or the right, as, he, as he's shown in the last few games. So, a very important player for the Italians in this final. So, I don't see too many changes there. England as well, to be fair. Um, Pickwood will be in goal. Carl Walker has, has had a great tournament. Luke Shaw, for me, has been one of the standout performers for England uh, at left-back. So you've got Maguire and Stones. That's pretty much set in stone there as well. Now, this might be a bit of a controversial um, on my part in terms of who I've selected here. Definitely go with Phillips. I've been really impressed with Phillips. And if you watched my episodes, you know I'm a, great, I'm a big fan of his. I think he's a great player. So I'll start with Phillips, but I'd put Henderson back in midfield and replace him with Declan Rice. Declan Rice, for me, had a bit of a... Average game uh, against Denmark. But the reason I've, I would put Henderson in, uh, which might be a bit harsh on Rice, is due to experience. I feel like in the final, Henderson's played Champions League finals. He's played, he's won the Premier League. So he's got a bit more experience, a bit more leadership will be required in this sort of game where it's intense and the pressure is high um, to get the victory. So I would go with Henderson. If Rice starts, it's not it's not a big issue because I think Rice does deserve to play, um, as he's had a great tournament as well. But I think I think Henderson would be a valuable player to start for this game, and then you can always bring Declan Rice on for like the remaining half an hour if required. So I'd go for Phillips and Henderson to start in midfield, and in the front three, 
Sterling's a shoo-in. I don't think anyone will um, disregard that. Uh, you've got Mount as a number 10. I was impressed with Mount's performance. So it's one of those ones where, is it Mount or is it Grealish? I think looking at how England have played in, in recent weeks, I think Grealish is better coming off from the bench as he has more of an impact. Whereas Mount, I feel like because he he can interchange in terms of how he plays, so he can play a bit deeper as a number eight, but then can switch and become a number 10 on the attack as well. So I think he'll suit more in terms of uh, Gareth Southgate's tactics there. And for me, it's between Saka and Sancho, but I'd probably give the nod to Saka. I think Saka has really impressed whenever he's performed. And for me, he's been fantastic. Um, and I've been a really great asset on the right-hand side. And obviously, Harry Kane to lead the line there. Got a couple of comments here. So, should red cards be given out for diving or do you think that would be too harsh? No, I think it should. I think to cut it out of the game, red cards should be issued for simulation. Um, in that regards to Sterling, it was a thing where... There was contact, and I, yes, he did. There was a level of simulation there, but because there was contact, it kind of you can see the reason why the penalty was given, and it's been quite evident during this tournament that when it comes to those type of decisions, um, they don't tend to go to VAR straight away. Uh, I think it kind of loses the impact and excitement of the game, so they just want to try and make it free flowing as much as possible. But this is a bigger issue than um, international football. It goes to our club football as well, and it needs to be stomped out because it's it's going to get ridiculous as time goes on. So, so yeah, I I think there should be punishment if if the player has dived, it should be red card. But it depends as well in terms of how they've done it. Where if it's brutally obvious, then yeah, red card is fully deserved there. Got another comment here from Stu Stu Mac. I'm so happy for England especially Queen Lizzie, the last time they were relevant in football, she had no wrinkles. Oh, I can't read the rest of that comment. <laughs> yeah, sorry, mate, can't read that out. Trying to keep it PG here. But yeah, happy for England as well. It's been a long time coming, I guess. England haven't faced a twin wing threat like Insigne and Chaser. That's very true. Um, unfortunately, that's probably the argument there for England that they've had an easy ride to get to the final. I think the only test was against Germany. But at that time, I don't think the German team is as strong as it has been in previous years. But, yeah, Insigne is a tricky player. Um, has bags of tricks and flair. And he can really score from any position. Can score worldies from like 30, 40 yards. And Kayser is another one where he's a bit unpredictable because... He might look slow because he's quite a tall in stature type of player, but he's got some speed on him as well. And plus, if they need more width or more pace, they've got Baradi on the bench as well, who's a fantastic player. So, yeah, you never know. Um, I think it would be a big test for the fullbacks. But luckily, I think for England is that Kyle Walker, there's not many that can outpace Kyle Walker. If you watch the Champions League, Mbappe struggled against him. So... Yeah, that's not going to be an easy task for Insigne to, to do that. He'll have to play where he cuts in. And I think he'll get more effect out of that if he does cut in more rather than taking Walker um, on the wing there because I don't think he'll get any luck there whatsoever. And Luke Shaw as well, for me, has been phenomenal in terms of how he's performed for England. So 
it's not going to be an easy game for for uh, Chaser to perform against Shaw. So I think in terms of fullbacks positions, England are pretty secure. They should be fine. It's more defensively in terms of with the Insignia and uh, Chaser, they will cut in quite a bit. So the centre backs will need to try and handle that sort of pressure, um, as it will probably allow Immobile to play on the shoulder. And he hasn't been as prolific as people would have expected, but he's still a dangerous player um, to play against. So, so yeah, you never know. But I think England are pretty much set and ready to compete against Italy. Uh, you also mentioned they were superb against England too. Scotland too, sorry. If that's England, uh, I was impressed with England against Scotland, to be fair. I think they were quite lacklustre in terms of how they played. I was very disappointed with England. I think that was one of their worst performances um, in the tournament. But since then, I feel like it's definitely turned the page for them and they performed fantastically, more tactically astute. Um, and they definitely got the results they needed. So, fantastic from England in, in that regards. Now, my prediction for the final. I've been really impressed with Italy. Um, I feel like they've got such great talent in the team and for me have been a standout team, but I'm going to have to go with England. Um, slight bias because obviously I'm from England, but you know, I can't, I can't say anything else to be fair. So it's coming home. I think that's my prediction regarding the final, but I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a fantastic final between two great teams. Two probably of the best teams in the tournament, so rightly so, that they're playing each other in the final. And yeah, really excited to see how that pans out. So that wraps us up for today's episode. Uh, if you haven't already, please don't forget to like and subscribe to the channel. Um, thank you for tuning in. I will be doing a follow-up episode on Monday the 12th of July at 10pm UK time where I will be reviewing the final to see what the outcome was and also just give my pretty much general roundup of the Euro 2020 and highlight some of the players that have stood out for me and speak about the big moments that have taken place in the tournament. And I'll be honest with you, I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed Euro 2020. I think it's been in a fantastic tournament and because international football can be a bit hit and miss, but I've, I've thoroughly enjoyed it. And it's been a great spectacle overall. So thank you again, guys. Um, hope to see you guys next week. Stay safe and take care of yourself.